0: always trying to whittle down you know all these pages are spilling out i always tell myself nobody's gonna read something 700 pages long andy whittle down whittle down
1: yeah well it's great that you're so prolific though (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, not all of it is good. So,
1: <laughs> well, but it's coming out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's coming out. But I'm. Yeah, that, that's a very positive way to look at it. Yeah, thank you. Because
1: because Alison. I'm always uh, usually creative, creatively constipated.
0: <laughs> I think it just depends. I normally find that, that there's just so much I've got to take out because it's just it's not good, and I have to be strict with myself and say that yeah, it's okay, but nobody wants. Nobody wants 10 paragraphs on that particular thing that you've just written about. Make it short and concise for them. You want to read that much. They don't want to read that much. Make it easy for them to get it. And it's hard because I, I kind of want to impress them, but I, I forget that they might just be bored. <laughs> they might yeah. want to get on to the next chapter, you know, and get on with it, basically. I oh, think, you probably um,
1: saw yourself short.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That is, that is, that is, um, culturally, um, Bill baked into the cake, right? <laughs> baked into the cake. They're not allowed to, to, um, you're not That's allowed weird, to sing your own right? praises. You're not allowed to sing your own praises. It's, uh, it's vulgar, you know, so it's, uh, you can't do it. Can't do it. Wow. Well, you know?
1: I don't know. Gotta have some confidence.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just don't tell anybody about it that's that's the rule <laughs> <laughs> that's the rule
2: hi
0: yeah, joshua well, how are you
2: hi yeah I'm, I'm good just to piggyback on that yeah I, I i feel like i've met so many you know shameless self-promoters over the years mm. that i've had this like adverse reaction to just trying to backpedal and i'd go too far in the other direction so yeah well no but it's people okay
0: it depends you know if you're doing something that's obviously brilliant. And somebody's telling you it's brilliant, and you're saying, oh no, it's terrible. Well then that's false modesty. But if you're oh oh really? Oh thank you. That's really kind of you. Thank you, because i really worked hard on this. I appreciate that. You know, you don't have to say that, whatever the the, the downplay is, while still accepting the compliment. Right. I think right. that's the that's the difference. Now, um I I got married to a wonderful Israeli lady about 13 years ago. I was still married. And um, when we went out on our first date, uh, I said to her, oh, you you look really nice. And she said, I know. And it shocked me, absolutely shocked me, being an English person, that somebody would acknowledge that they look good and even seem surprised that it was mentioned because it was obvious. (laughs) (laughs) I thought to myself, what, what's going on here? You're supposed to say, no, do I really this old thing and all What the rest do you that really stuff. think? Yeah yeah. 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 And they just say what they think. And it's taken me years to get used to it. And even when I first visited their country, you know, somebody would say, hey, do you want a drink or whatever? Do you want something? And in a normal English way, I'd say, yeah, oh, sure, if that's okay, as we always say. And uh, I caught her brother one time saying to her, in in Hebrew, does he want it or not? I don't understand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's 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 um never occurred to me that that might be a problem mm. culturally, but yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah,
0: N- Americans, you have cute. something similar. We're reading yeah. between the lines in this English Anglo format all the time. The subtext, we're used to it, and some other countries just there's no subtext. You just get given it on the plate as it is.
1: What yeah, if it was, says on the tin? I was looking at um, some other episodes that you've done and uh, I was really impressed to see like the international focus. You know, I, I mean, just, just the fact that, you know, you're talking to a lot of people that um, in all different countries that, you know, maybe uh, others don't. And so I really... Really admired that, that oh, wide-ranging you. um cultural exchange. I think no, that's was, something that's very important in the paranormal.
0: And we're all in the world. And um, you know, sometimes there's I've done a few recently where there's a language barrier. And so we're trying to keep it very simple, you know, pre-prepared questions at the rest. And um and my mumbly kind of voice doesn't help because it's tripping over itself and backtracking and and so I'm just trying to keep it really simple for them. But yeah, I, it's just nice to have people like yourselves on that are saying something different about this genre. Now I, I have, uh, I have at least one of your books, Joshua, on my, mm-hmm. on my wish list. I haven't bought it yet, but it's been on there for a little while. Now, when I looked at it uh, today, where the footprints end, the um, volume oh, one. Yeah. And, uh, when I looked at it today, there was so much on there, even in the write up that struck a chord with me because you know cryptozoology there's a lot of sameness everywhere and there's a lot of platitude i guess foundational truths that are based upon theories but we've made the foundations of everything and i looked and i saw some of the things you were saying i was like wow you know you're saying um there's something more complex than an undiscovered gorilla and um they consistently appear alongside you know high strangeness and um Ah, and orbs, and other different weird paranormal f- phenomena. I just thought, wow, that's really refreshing, because it's sort of woo, but not really. you are saying, yes, there's yeah. something physical about it. So I thought, I'd just pick your brain about that today.
2: Yeah, it's it's been a bit frustrating for me, because I feel like there's so much rich folklore to be mined mm. um, from cryptozoology and i just feel like cryptozoology as a whole is not there yet you know you look at sort of the discussions that are being had i don't know maybe allison can can say if this is happening in the ghost world she's probably a little bit more plugged into that than i am but like especially in the ufo topic people are talking about symbolism and uh you know ancient ideas and things like soul craft and and all these sort of folklore correspondences and the general public face of cryptozoology is just things like big monkey big monkey big monkey you know um because i think there's this sort of impulse that a lot of cryptozoologists have they want to have that i told you so moment with mm. the biologists at some point and uh and i'm not saying that there's i mean like at the end of the day i, I want it to be a big monkey as well but there's such a richness there that can be mined, and i just still don't see a lot of people doing it now having said that it's really fascinating to me that every time i get a big footer in private um even the ones who ascribe publicly to this idea of it being a relic hominid, they'll say well i still think it's you know i still think it's a flesh and blood creature but and then they'll say all this you know they'll acknowledge that there's weirdness with that involved i mean i just had that same experience that doing some field work this past weekend um there are some folks who are adamant that you know someday we might be able to shoot it but yeah it also seems to show up in in conjunction with strange lights and uh you know all this other stuff and uh, i'm not saying it's disingenuous i'm just saying that the the community hasn't quite reached that moment yet allison i i feel like i feel like maybe the ufo people are probably the ones having these conversations the most but do you see a little bit of that sort of openness in the
1: ghost, the sort world? Of ghost
2: community yeah in the ghost uh, world, world. everybody's well, still been... married to the dead person <laughs> hypothesis aren't they yeah, yeah, yeah. i've yeah. been
1: You know, I have been really disappointed with um, the level of discourse um, and feel that it's oversimplified. Mm -hmm. And uh, part (laughs) of the problem is that um, I think people in the paranormal field are very influenced by television. Yes. very television-driven. And I understand that because, you know, it's really hard to make Money as a parapsychologist, and uh, I, uh, you know, have my own ghost tour company. So I mean, I am also milking that that mm. uh, entertainment connection. But to me, that doesn't mean that you you don't make connections uh, across culturally, and you don't make connections to folklore. I I, I really see uh, another problem too is that. Uh, you know the knowledge base is not there um, in terms of history even mm. uh, you know the the history of this field uh, you know I, I think I think a lot of people who are into ghost hunting really were inspired by the the tv shows and they don't know anything of the researchers that came before and that that's really sad and so yeah, I don't you, say, think...
2: you, you say, who's Hans Holzer to them? And they're like, who? Oh,
1: <laughs> right.
2: well, yeah. you know, now yeah. there's a TV yeah.
1: show, The Holzer mm-hmm. File. So, you know, finally we solved Was that with
2: but Dave? It's like, but but, but, now, but yeah. now you're dealing with people who are like, oh, this Hans Holzer guy, I didn't know about it. It's like, yeah. well, if you've been paying attention, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It, yeah. you know, even further back than that with like Catherine Crow, for example, mm-hmm. you <laughs> know, nobody realizes that all these, uh, you know, a lot of these... Um, phenomena go back further like even ndes obes stuff like that Mm. twin telepathy you know these were things that um in the night side of nature uh they're right in there and yes the modern term hadn't been coined but you know these things were on people's minds um in in the 19th century and even before that so uh I, i just think that the field could use um an infusion of this uh cross-cultural folkloric historical knowledge Mm. and uh so that we can start having some more complex conversations
2: yeah 100 um i mean i know that something that you're aware of allison is you know oh this this house has a lady in white and it's like okay well you know what is what is the fact that a thousand other haunted ha- locations have ladies mm. in white does that tell us anything about the phenomenon itself or are you just treating these all as separate instances of you know a lady in white yeah right Those are and sort of questions that need to be asked yeah and,
1: and so for for me i i'm thrust like right in the middle of that because i develop haunted history tours and then i i find these similar tropes occurring across different destinations and uh you know, we focus on America because it's American Ghost Walks. <laughs> but, uh, but I notice that, like, in New England, for example, there are a lot of uh, hauntings that I'm like, oh, isn't there, like, an a equivalent to this across the pond? Mm, that. You mm. know, like, it, um, sometimes I hear a story and it rings a bell about I was ask you know, something about that. Yeah. in the UK. And, yeah. and I'm like, wow. It, it just, yeah. like... Um, transfer it over.
0: My, my, well, my
2: latest... Ex- oh, sorry, go ahead. We're oh, sorry. No, <laughs> no. no take Joshua, over.
0: Well, I was just going to say that um, it's something that you probably noticed as well, Joshua, in cryptozoology is that, uh, especially when you go into, into an in- international view of, of the, the phenomena, is that there are creatures, especially with colonization, that exist in the parent country and the colonized countries. And recently, I was looking at the Quero in uh patagonia which is this kind of weird ray or big cowhide kind of like creature that envelops envelops um uh animals or people that come to the shore and and takes them under the water and it exists in the in the history of the mapuche people but not the trail uh trail i'm probably saying that wrong we're just next door and it also exists in one of the the parent uh, com- uh countries as well in in uh, in Spain so there's this this similar sort of cowhide kind of myth that translates over and it's the same with werewolves in north america new england of course i mean it's in the name right for the thing that you're talking about that you would have this colonial transplanted away at least in the translation of what people are seeing oh, what do you think about that one of
2: my favorite oh sorry, go
1: <laughs> ahead. No, <laughs> no, you <laughs> go first. You um, go first. I, I, I
2: definitely
1: <laughs> want to jump into
2: Okay, okay. Um yeah, I mean one of my favorite examples of that is is the speaking of New England, the puck wedgie mm-hmm. stuff. I mean mm-hmm. that term is uh I believe it's 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 a Midwestern term, but you don't hear about puckwudgies in the Midwest because mm-hmm. there were some, you know, uh colonial american authors who love that term mm. so much and they sort of applied it over there and now you get these stories about puck being these mm. you know indigenous spirits of new england and you're like well not really and of course there were little people legends but they didn't call them puck or puckmo wudgies or any of these sort of things but you know over time you sort of get these beliefs that accrete around displaced folklore and it mm. suggests to me and a lot of folks who are involved in these topics don't really like to hear this but It suggests to me that we are playing a much greater role in how these things manifest because Mm -hmm. i think that there is an objective nature to it like i think that i think that people often see things just as they're describing them but i do think that somehow we are having this interplay with these phenomena and we are contributing our own cultural baggage and the baggage of the history and sometimes that it does include basically imported myths and legends i mean you know um there's there are plenty of examples specifically regarding the fairy folk here in America mm. that you know that got imported or syncretized. I mean that's another thing that's kind of hard to tell. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's something that I think that is very much underserved in the discussion of these topics.
0: Absolutely. Do you think then? I, I had another thought about it recently, Joshua, which was originally when we came to these countries and took over. Do you think that the natives of these places could have learned essentially to describe what their local phenomena were in terms that we were familiar with? So, you know, this is why perhaps there is a Duende, you know, in in Central and South America, just like there was in Spain Mm -hmm. and Portugal. There's certainly dwarf and gnome-like stories all over the world, but that would have been the terminology that the Spanish colonists were familiar with. So could it be that there is something, and yet they've chosen our terms in, with which to explain it?
1: I, I got to oh, jump see, in yeah, here. I, yeah,
2: and- I, want, I want Allison to, I want Allison <laughs> to jump in first. Yeah. I, I
1: just think that's a wonderful what you just said, this bridge, because I've often wondered about how much Native cultures have been um influenced by colonizing cultures and but that's another way to think of it maybe it was just a way that these different people were able Mm. to communicate and they were just um you know both ways you know looking for terms that would match up Mm. and and maybe these phenomenon uh phenomena have always been Mm. there in these various um Uh, in these various manifestations and right it was just terminology um that was standing in the way but you know i just wanted to say earlier about the duendes um that it's just so unusual to see that also in uh the philippines and in guam Mm -hmm. as well and you would think like Mm -hmm. you know guam is so remote and uh they they have duendes as well uh and it's just um you can see you can see some of that Spanish influence uh they do have like a lady in white on a bridge too <laughs> in Guam. um so yeah i I'm always kind of looking for um cultures that maybe weren't as influenced by missionaries or mm. or colonizers and, and that would even. Uh, be like a bigger proof, possible proof to me that uh, there have been, you know, there's a similar phenomenon Mm. among these cross cultures. Uh, But it it sure is weird. It's like, uh, you know, I'm like, how completely could, like missionaries, they're, they're supposed to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> right, you know? right. They're, they're not supposed to tell you about all, all this folkloric stuff. Like, yeah. it, it's amazing to me. Like, um, for example, I used to uh, teach at a, a Native American school for 13 years. And, you know, I would notice, um, you know, these, these similarities. Like, mm-hmm. uh, for example, uh, we, we used to do um, this Grandmother Moon uh, ceremony where we'd save all our hair, um, and then we'd put it in uh, little t- uh, yellow ties, and then we'd burn it at the full moon. and um and uh, but there were also these other ideas, you know when m- one of the reasons for doing that was that you didn't want um you didn't want witches to get that hair and perform uh-huh. that sympathetic magic. So you wanted to you know keep um keep your combings. Mm. And then burn them every month.
0: Oh, oh ah, <laughs> and okay.
1: And I was like, wow, mm. did that come from the missionaries? Or was that like a a real indigenous belief? And then then we have other issues like um, when people, you know, who aren't native, and you know, they come along and, and they say, oh, this is a native legend. And... They take their own artistic license mm-hmm. with that. Um, it, so, for example, the the Piusau bird in Alton, mm-hmm. Illinois, is this legend of this fierce uh, flying creature that you know was eating the, the native population, the Illini population, and there's this big drama about how the chief sacrificed himself. Um, you know, uh, so he 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 was bait so that the warriors could come out and ambush this thing and all that. And, and okay. I know there are, there are um, cultures, native cultures that are very concerned about the predatory um, nature of the Thunderbird, but mm. not in Illinois, not in Wisconsin where I'm from, the, the Thunderbird is revered. And um, there's a water creature named Mississippi, Piju. Uh That um, is of utmost concern, Mm -hmm. drowning swimmers and canoeists. And um, in Alton, there were there were pictographs on a rock face near uh, rapids Mm -hmm. uh, that canoeists would see as they're traveling. And uh, that got transmogrified over history into a bird creature and it, it's it is a you know deadly Wasn't,
0: isn't that teacher, strange oh, because on the cliff the bird creature has horns like the pictograph has horns
2: on yes the cliff. Well, so maybe
0: that's the the connection it you know it's the same everywhere one thing that that really stands out to me alison and i think maybe this is a, a bigger link in many ways to this Joined up folklore, we have all of the world is that we're all human beings. So there's a limited scope to the way in which we all express ourselves within culture and uh, religion and mythology. And uh, we have similarities, even without yeah. connection, we have similarities. Yeah, that, we do that's, things.
2: that's where I've landed on a lot of, especially, you know, the old ancient monument stuff, because it's been so tantalizing to pursue this mm. line of speculation that. There was some sort of master race that went around these different places building pyramids and obviously that leads to some really you know nasty places um but my my contention is that no like you see pyramids everywhere because much like the bow and arrow it's a technology that works you know Mm -hmm. we don't no one really says oh you know i mean i'm sure that there are some instances where bows and arrows were introduced to some populations but there is also the idea that these things sort of um much like a convergent evolution or something. they sort of just these, this te- these technologies arose because they work and they were made by human hands, you know, they make so, sense. Yeah. So, I, so, you know, a lot of, in the instances of some of these um, earthworks uh, that you see in, you know, the new world versus the old world, especially regarding, you know, the fairy forts and in, in, uh, Ireland and the British Isles. Mm. I, I, I just think that they look so similar because you can put some pictures of, uh pre-excavated american mounds next to some irish fairy force oh, they, yeah. look, they look practically identical mm. um and i i suspect that you know the reason that these things look so similar is because they not only serve similar functions often being sepulchral sites but also because like this is just the way that we as a species express ourselves and perhaps like we all sort of independently came to the conclusion that these are good ways to to interface with the, the more than human world
0: Um, absolutely i mean like the ancients all building in stone in an unconnected fashion all around the world well stone is permanent and it's everywhere so it's a great building material so you learn to use it because whatever you build with it will still be there in 1000 2000 3000 years and i think that's 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 definitely a a really good explanation for that Uh, i'm interested you guys about the. The sasquatch stuff as well about this because i'm like there's a big i've been there's a big gorilla there's an ape out there kind of guy my my whole life and uh well my whole cryptozoological life and i do regularly encounter people who say but i also saw an orb or i also saw a light or there was um, a strange phenomenon of fear or something like that around at the time. I felt compelled to run off the mountain straight away. And that's when I saw it. So they get the feeling first. And then afterwards there was some lights and, and one or two of these other things. What are your, what are your thoughts about this? What, what is this, the frequency of this connection, Um, the percentage in your opinion and what do you think it means? Well,
2: sort of having, sorry i don't need to step on top of you allison but uh this sort of in my wheelhouse <laughs> um <laughs> so having having embarked on this project with my co-author tim renner on uh on where the footprints in those two books um i would think that tim is probably of the opinion that it's high strangeness is more not only more common than expected but it all might even be a hallmark of the phenomenon mm-hmm. um my general rule of thumb is that The people who tend to have fleeting sightings like you know uh, of a you know like a hunter or see something walk through a scope or something tend to gravitate more towards the explanation that it's a it's a large hairy animal um and the people who have more longitudinal contact, some of these people who claim to be habituators or people who return to the same research sites Mm. over and over again they're the ones who start to notice more of the high strangeness and it's a lot of the similar oddities that you've noticed from the ufo phenomenon that crop up people have strange synchronicities there are uh, anomalous light phenomena um sometimes out of place animals just strange sounds that shouldn't be in the forest like mm. car door slamming and stuff like that you know just sort of real 1970s john keel style stuff no absolutely
0: um, and, I, and i i never spoke to people that, that, that say it you know very yeah, genuinely and, yeah and,
2: and and again like once you get the 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 bigfooters to the bar after their conference presentation and you get a couple of beers in them like Mm. you start to hear these stories a lot of them have these stories and the 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 main thing that i sort of uh take umbrage with is is i feel like there's a certain level of cognitive not cognitive dissonance, but um intellectual dishonesty Mm. you know oh oh i'll take your report as long as you say that the Bigfoot crossed the road, but the moment you say that it turned into a ball of light on the other side of the road, well, I'm gonna to toss that in the in the in the rubbish bin. And it's like, well, you know, you know, I, I think that if if eyewitness reports are the bedrock of these studies, mm-hmm. which by necessity they are, you kind of have to you have to do something with that. I'm not saying you have to believe every person's story mm-hmm. and treat it with equal weight, but you have to do something with it, you know. Even if you keep it in a separate file, and even if you want to say, well, you know, we have flesh and blood Bigfoot, but we also have something mm. that looks like a flesh and blood creature that does this other stuff. You've got to do something with it, right? Um, but, you know, I think that's the, in my opinion, that's the sort of the critical mistake that a lot of cryptozoologists make is that they say, Oh, look, you know, everywhere that there's a, a culture, more or less, you can quibble some with Africa for certain, but everywhere that there's a culture, there's a story of, of a wild man. That,
0: oh, in Africa that, too. That, by the way, that, 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 yeah, I mean th- th- yeah. there
2: are. I, I I suspect that you know, um, being a culture that lived you know alongside primates, being a lot of these different cultures mm. having interactions, they probably didn't. I've heard some stories, but they're not nearly as. Again, that's sort of a yeah. a, a reportage problem that we have with just mm. these sort of blank areas on the map. We don't talk about Chinese UFO sightings. We don't talk as much mm. about African UFO sightings. So we have some gaps in our knowledge here. But um, but I would argue that pretty much any culture that that many cultures if not most or even all have these stories of wild men that always sort of exhibit the same suite of behaviors and the cryptozoologists will say they're on every continent and it's like okay or you know <laughs> or um it's it's sort of a co-traveler with humanity much in the same mm. way that the, that the ufo phenomenon is i mean one of my favorite examples that i i love to cite is um it's kind of become common among certain segments of the bigfoot cryptozoology community um to discuss hair braiding the idea that the, mm. big, that the bigfoot will steal into your yeah, stable yeah. and braid your horses hair, and there have even been some reports i found one in russia of of a, a researcher who said that they um they saw they actually saw an, an almasty one of the russian bigfoots, yeah. um go into a stable and braid a horse's mane mm. and i know this report yeah. yeah yeah well and it's and it but but then you look at sort of the folklore and you see how often you know in you know again your neck of the woods um that this same phenomena would be blamed on fairies or Honestly, it would be blamed yeah. on witches yeah. or you know mm. so is it is it that bigfoot just so happened to engage in the same behavior that we once used to ascribe to other supernatural creatures mm. or are they all of a similar origin a similar quality a similar character now whatever that means you know the skeptics will say it means we're all making it up i would sort of lean towards the idea that these sort of all stem from the same source.
0: What do you think about, and maybe Alison, you can chime in on this as well. What do you think about, if they are emanations of, of a type, what do you think about them being genre or this, this era specific so that... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that um, scene on Men in Black 3 where he goes back to the 60s and all of the aliens are depicted in the way we've thought of them in the 60s, right? And I thought about that a lot and that's come up a lot in cryptozoology and I've noticed people's difference in age and and belief in genre by the way they describe something. What do you think about these emanations uh, being specific to the genre that's prevalent at times? So if it's a revealing in some way, in the old days it would be fairies now it would be Sasquatch do you think there's something in that at all
1: well I think um that question uh that question goes with uh the the latest book um mm. which I have right here yeah, great oh wow uh, but uh that's so on Grey my list too by the way uh mm. we folk on the big screen so um mm. uh, yeah like uh in my essay I talked a lot about how how these, these things are other intelligences and may present in whatever way they feel like it. Uh, So they, they, if they feel like presenting themselves, um, you know, as diminutive little beings that are kind of dressed like you, but, uh, you know, with clothes from the past or something like that, you know, then they're going to do that. Or if they want to be a, a big hairy humanoid, they're going to do that. Or if they're going to be want to be mothman, they're going to do mm-hmm. that. And, and I'm, I'm just thinking that, uh, that there's, there's no, there's no way that we really know what these things are. You know, when you talk about the fae folk, you're talking about uh, mm-hmm. an acknowledged uh, intelligence that has, uh, the power to, uh, change the way you think and, and see through glamour and, and to deceive. So yeah, I mean, if, if these things are really out there, which they very well could be, uh, we are kind of playing blind, um, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what exactly they are. And, um, uh, you know we can't see them um, on a regular basis, and maybe that's by design on their part. Uh, maybe it's because you know we're living at different wavelengths. Um, but in, then then these these creatures may have the ability to completely change how how we see them. So you know we're always kept uh, we're always kept uh, on edge. So, mm. you know, that's the, that's the way I look at it. In, in, in my essay, I talk about uh, the word uh, troll in particular and how we all, like I just said troll, um, and how, um, I, you know, that Icelandic uh, mm. creature, you know, that, that has a certain appearance to us. Like saying that right now, I just popped into your head what mm. you think a troll might look like. Uh, but uh, the actual word itself was not um so much used in that way where it was where it was um focused on something specific. It it mm. really meant the other. And like a troll could be a witch, for example. Mm. So uh, a troll could be many things. And it's just kind of a catch-all term for the other. But yet today when we think of troll, we have a very uh, defined idea of what that is. And yeah, that's that probably
2: true.
1: It's probably just uh a smokescreen.
2: See, this is why I hang out with you, Allison, <laughs> <laughs> because you're just <laughs> taking words out of my mouth. Um, yeah, I, I resonate strongly with all of that. And I would sort of add, just sort of loop it back around to what we first started talking about. You know, I, it would seem as if perhaps culture sort of brings a component to the way that these things like to appear. Like, that's mm-hmm. where I kind of land. I, I don't have anything to objectively prove that, but that's my suspicion. Um, is that, you know, a lot of these, the manifestations or forms that these things take are somehow, I think it's a two way communication mm. between us and whatever this other intelligence this is, which may be a part of us for all, you know, but like, I think that there's yeah. some sort of exchange there, which is the only way that I can really reconcile things like the importations of beliefs from, you know, mm. uh, colonizer countries into indigenous populations and things like that. Um, Yeah
0: that makes sense it makes sense i mean i I guess what it seems that you're saying it would make sense to me that the transmogrification of um the physical appearance of these creatures over the the, the decades and hundreds of years, even eras, genres seems to be something that people are overlooking i that so you really made a point of of talking about that in your book as well that there is this link to the past that we're now forgetting. What was once, you know, bogarts and fairies and the rest of that stuff is now Sasquatch and Dogman and, and the rest of this. And I was saying to somebody, um, recently I interviewed, I said, in one of the books I wrote for, uh, the Dogman section, I put Dogman rebranding the werewolf, because it clearly seemed to be a rebranding of the werewolf, but we didn't want to be embarrassed by that word anymore. So we called it something that we could claim was a physical being, and yet Bigfoot, seems plausible as a physical entity uh, a living creature that could be undiscovered but dogman is completely yeah uh, you know, how do we explain yeah, that I... and yet you've got witnesses as valid one as valid as the other sometimes I know a great bigfoot researcher who saw never saw a bigfoot but it saw a dog man she oh. never expected that
2: i recently heard a story from someone who talked about a law enforcement officer being chased away from a crime scene by a bigfoot and a dog man working in tandem wow okay which you know i i'm tempted to be very skeptical hypocritical actually (laughs) considering what i just said about about you know bigfoot turning into balls of light but at the same time i think that to me that's it's not a it's not a smoking gun but it's the smell of gunpowder right in terms of these things being the same thing because yeah. i i ref- part of me refuses to believe that a physical half man half dog and a physical giant relic like, hominid are working in tandem like have some sort of partnership it just it gets into what i call like star wars thinking yeah. where like you know you've got like you know whenever i hear these ufo stories and they get really specific with like intergalactic politics and organizations okay carthlaxians are attacking the palladians versus the yeah yeah yeah, it's just just like okay well this starts to sound like 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 a fantasy and you know i i have a more sympathetic idea that fantasy can bleed over into reality than most people but i don't think it's an objective reading of what's of what's no
0: and it has to be a facet of of taking the report is this person who is giving me this report? Are they struggling in some way with reality because they're saying very unrealistic, very fantastical things? And and many times in my in my chats with people, I've been very direct in a very you know kind and normal way to say, you know, I have to ask you, do you have any issues of this nature? doesn't exclude or exclude your sighting in any way, right. but it is a factor we have to take into consideration. So if you tell me, you know, it's private, I'll take it into consideration. And if you do have uh problems with hallucinations and fantasy, if you have that kind of thing, have you ever experienced it like this before? Is this outside the norm? Right. Can we still include it? And occasionally people have said, Yeah, you know, I've got some issues. Oh oh no. Oh, it's never happened. And this and thing we- took place in isolation.
2: Well, and then we get into this sort of thorny issue of whether or not we truly understand a lot of a lot of mental illness in the first place. Yeah, I mean, there, sure. are, there are, you know, uh, there are therapists who are seeing great work, great progress with some of their schizophrenic patients by having them engage with the voices as opposed mm-hmm. to you know ignoring them or going yeah, exactly. on medication, which suggests that there might be something actually on the other end of the line, you know, that, they're, that they're interacting with perhaps
0: perhaps indeed now it's amazing let's get back to the the fairy uh fairy films book because i love the cover i saw the cover and i was thinking i'm gonna ask joshua to to come on the show and it just have a quick look through what he's doing at the moment and then that came up fairy films uh, uh and i just thought wow great cover great i even love the little sort of camera roll in the middle everything <laughs> you know of course you know it's it's a it's a collection of essays you know, on this subject that you've edited together and, and written around with, with the folk like um, Alison. Just take us through that a bit, both of you, and what does what it comprise of, and what's the, um, what's the philosophy of the book?
2: Well, um, as I sort of alluded to, I'm becoming more interested in how we have this sort of interplay and exchange between expectations and fictions and, and the reality of these phenomena. Um, and I always thought it would be interesting to sort of take a look at how influential fairy folklore remains. Like, for the longest time, I had this idea that maybe I am gonna put together a coffee table book full of words that people don't normally associate with fairies that we still cling to. Like, the, the medical term stroke, which is, you know, obviously a derivation of the fairy stroke. Mm-hmm. or The term uh, for the color cobalt, that's, you know, uh, based off the cobalts of, of, you know, German and Austrian folklore. Um, but that sort of idea um i you know it's, that's a market of like five people of which probably me and allison are too right so um yeah so like it's, it's a great tree yeah, yeah exactly okay fair enough <laughs> um but uh, so the idea for something like fairy films came along it was right in the beginning of the pandemic um i had another project actually i think it was footprints volume two that was sort mm. of still being worked on but a lot of my work on it had sort of finished and i was looking to occupy myself and i rounded up a ropes gallery of people that i admired who are friends um Mm -hmm. some of whom you know were in you know it ended up being this broad spectrum of paranormal researchers and academics and fantasy authors and it kind of gives the whole end the the final product a little bit of a probably a little bit of a shaggy vibe Mm -hmm. but i kind of think it's an endearing vibe um because it does cover the spectrum of all these different things and sort of the original idea was to much as in that that fairy word coffee table book that may or may not exist in the future the original idea was to sort of illustrate how even though we think of sort of the fairy folklore as a fantasy or being like its Mm. own discrete thing it just bleeds over into all these other genres Mm. in ways that we don't fully apprehend and so that was the original idea for the project um some folks I say this with all the love in my heart. They didn't get the memo, (laughs) so they ended up like talking about stuff that literally involved fairies. I think Allison's kind of like is in the middle there, but um, but some folks you know talked about films that like literally talked about fairies. And at first, I was like, ah, this isn't really what I want. But then I discovered that uh, it's interesting to see how the authenticity of fairy Mm. folklore still shines through, even in the face of you know Mm. what I would call fairy disinformation. You know, the sort of pop culture version of fairies. I think yeah. uh, Simon, Simon Young's essay on on Walt Disney's approach to fairy fairy films um sort of is a good example of that. Mm. Um but I basically said, you know, pick a film, make a case for it, and I'll probably say yes. And I don't think I turned down anybody's pitch, honestly. Okay. Um but yeah it was it was it was a couple of us and we all worked on the pandemic and that actually sat gosh Allison when when did i have all these essays collected it was probably back in 2020 right I probably think october so. of 2020 yeah
1: so, it, it was um, quite a
2: while we had some publishing issues and there's been some just generalized adversity surrounding the project that i mm. probably prefer not to get into but um
0: sure there's always some i mean yeah it would be unusual for things to be smooth
2: so um yeah and there's well, there's some there's some sort of tragedy involved in that too um, I'm sorry. But we, it, but this we ended is... up with yeah sorry, Go good yeah, uh, I mean, yeah but this, you know
1: this is involving the yeah it's, it's got of, the f word yeah it's got so, the f word in the yeah title. we said yeah. the other f word and yeah, so said, that might be an issue
2: yeah um but oh, you're anyway, not supposed it, to say it of course yeah yeah um okay. although i know some i know some people who are very much fairy believers who still use the term without any issue so i think the fact that i just you know it's 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 smeared across the front cover is the main issue it's there Um, but
0: i mean you spelt it
2: but yeah so i mean
0: you didn't fae spell it so that's all yeah
2: um but uh anyway so it's it's, so we finally got back into production in december of 2022 and honestly i don't know i'm sure allison feels the same way the fact that that it's actually in physical space Mm. is something of a miracle because for the longest time i had to resign myself to the fact that it just wasn't going to get published so uh, i compiled compiled a bunch of people that i really admired and allison was i think you were always on my list i think you were one of the first people i reached out to
1: oh Um, thanks and
2: and you know what i what i love about your essay specifically is the way that you um you know so many of the essays are dedicated to one film which was again sort of the idea mm-hmm. but you and Simon young and I think a couple of other people sort of took a look at several different things um yeah I, really I just cool kind of you know, a lot a lot of bang for your buck though right you know <laughs> um yeah so. yeah because
1: uh, the thing that I always have loved about Joshua's work is what is revealed by uh, the the lens that he mm-hmm. looks at things through and so to me some of these tropes that are still going maybe show us that there is some reality to Uh these these uh fey related phenomena and you know so that's what i think like you know i i'm i'm joshua i'm rereading um um Thieves in the Night right now. Yeah. The creepy and, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so it's, it's just so interesting how how now you have, you know, the, the UFO people and how they're describing things. And, you know, they, they want to be or they think they are like totally separate from these other mm. earlier uh, similar manifestations and you know you show there. there's continuity there's some like yeah. things that are are still like these tropes that are still coming through which you know to me speaks to the reality of something strange going on <laughs> um, yeah. and that we're just seeing it in different ways um mm. over time yeah. um and uh yeah, that's why I was just so excited to to write about it and so I just couldn't stop like with the you know I talk about mostly big screen but sometimes small screen uh and and how all these tropes uh are still coming through and and then also I I um I talked about scary fairies so the good neighbors they can be wonderful. They can also okay. be horrible, just like humanity. Yeah, so yeah. I'm speaking with to, uh, of them and to them with the utmost respect. That I know that they are capable of anything, and uh, so a lot of times when we think of of fairies, like we don't think of the boogeyman, for example, mm. and uh, but that you know boogeyman comes from. You it's know, directly, Bogart, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, Bugbear. Yeah. Uh
0: yeah.
1: Bogart. Yeah, that's right. So um so we don't usually make that connection, that that's that's fairy, or we don't see mm. that um you know, a lot of people kind of treat fairies like they're just ridiculous right now. But but they don't see how they were so often conflated with demons, with the dead, mm. um, and, and they can be very, very uh, powerful in in some truly horrible ways. And and so I looked at film, but then I also looked at perhaps uh, instances of that are really unexplained illnesses and death. Mm. and kind of oh, put that all together. Uh mm. because I I always want I always want to, you know, write about, you know, some mystery that is still mm. really unsolved and uh it seemed to me that those things connected uh in in interesting ways. And so that's what my essay is about. Wow. It's about uh the scary fairies, boogeymen of yore. Uh, and um, I, I'm really excited to go see uh, Stephen King's um, uh, the Boogeyman, which just came out in, oh, in wow. the U.S. Okay. Yeah, um, and uh, and because uh, the Boogeyman um, and you know Stephen King, uh, I do talk a little bit about him, but mm-hmm. not enough. I should have talked about his series, The Outsider, because that mm. is seems to be about a solitary fairy um, who is capable of this this these terrible heinous acts against Mm. children and um and and these extraordinary feats of glamour that allow him uh, that allow it or whatever it is to do that um but again i didn't talk about that one at all um in in the essay but uh it's always compelling to me to see how how uh reality and, and fantasy Come together sometimes, you know, yeah. art uh, informing life and back and forth, uh, you know. And I think there might be some real unsolved mysteries, and and so that's what I focused on in in my essay.
0: It sounds fascinating. It really does, Alison. Do you think, in relation to that uh, reality informing um, fantasy or you know film and and fiction and books and the like, do you think that there is um, something of a residual inherited? folkloric memory that we all have in our societies to a various degree that informs that, you know, I for example, um I'm not a Catholic or anything like that. But I come from an Irish family originally, you know, that was our background. And whenever a, a hearse passes me by in the street, i without even thinking about it, I've crossed myself oh, yeah. cross in yourself. respect or have taken my hat off or something like that. And uh, I don't cross myself in any of the part of life at any for any point. But that seems to me to be a, superst- well, not a superstition, but uh you know, that's um, so a cultural superstition. That's, that's uh, a muscle memory. It's part of my muscle memory, yeah, reactive you memory. Somehow. I have to do it, but I've never seen my father do that or anybody else. But I know that it's, it's a sign of respect. So it's, it's weird. And I've just found myself maybe a little while back, I don't know what it was, uh, the hearses came by uh, with the coffin, and immediately I took off my hat, crossed myself, and stood until they passed me. Yeah, on the road, I was on the the sidewalk, and I thought that isn't that odd. Right after I did it, I thought, no, isn't that odd? Where did that come from?
1: Yeah, like how how much of it is that, and how much of it is uh, real? A real phenomenon that mm. um, we're just trying to deal with, and we just our culture needs to explain it in some mm-hmm. way. Um, you know, I like, uh, with, um, with, uh, what may be sleep paralysis or, uh, could mm-hmm. be some, some creatures actually attacking, you know, noc- nocturnal mm-hmm. attacks, uh, you know, um, those those things do happen to people but what is it is it just this medical thing or are we putting this medical thing on top of something real you know like uh, a real interaction mm. and uh we just look at the you know the physical mechanisms and try to explain it away based on that but uh
0: Could it be both you know depending yeah, on right. the situation same as when you have a dream that's uh prophetic or a message in some way in other times it's just all of your thoughts spewing out, you know, into the the dream space. Could it be both yeah, it,
2: yeah. it, it, it it's interesting to me because I've I've spent some time thinking of this lately and you know I, I think that we we gloss over things like instinct far too mm. much. You know, mm. you can have you can have a, a baby chicken, a chick that's raised indoors all its life and if you pass a shadow of a hawk over it in its indoor enclosure, it's still gonna duck and run for cover and we just say things like oh it's it's an instinct you know mm-hmm. the the chickens you know ancestors learned the hard way that the ones yeah. who survived you know all that yada 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 but it just seems some of these things seem so specific and I kind of wonder if crossing yourself isn't that way and similarly you know not quite the same thing but uh I when I had a day job um I was uh, often told that people could tell I was in the building because I was always whistling I don't whistle that much anymore. That's neither here nor there, but I, I later learned that um my uh my father said that people could tell when he was in the courthouse when he was whistling and that my grandfather was in the hospital when he was whistling. So it's kind of <laughs> one of those things like just I guess there's a whistling gene, but okay. Um, but it also speaks to, like I think we 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 sort of under under appreciate the objectivity of the sort of well of either a well of tradition or a mm. well of folklore or a well of knowledge or you know heaven forbid the objective nature of these things i think we kind of underestimate that there's the uh the book actually opens up with a wonderful essay by by jack hunter dr jack hunter Mm -hmm. that includes uh excerpts from a previously unpublished brian froud essay and uh sort of obliquely it gets mentioned how um you know brian froud has weathered some criticism about how similar some of his fairy depictions look to john bower's artwork if you're familiar with that artwork as Mm -hmm. well and I love Fraud's response, which was basically if memory serves something to the effect of, you know, well, John's fairies look like my fairies because that's just what they look like. Uh. <laughs> and I just love, I love that sort of matter of fact, like, you know, it, it, these things probably speak to people in, in similar ways. Yeah. So.
0: Well, and of course, and if they are real, then yeah, they would have a form that it's fixed within you know a variety of manifestations so that makes perfect sense um what do you both think about uh, philosophical interpretation religious we talked about that recently religious and philosophical interpretation and i mentioned this a lot i have one religion my wife has another religion so we have two similar but different religions and often in the past i've noticed that we all have a little bit of a different interpretation of the same events within that prism of religious belief and now in our post-religious society you know there's all of these um philosophical or pseudo-spiritual outlooks and interests that we have in life you know be it sasquatch be it ghosts, be it fairies ufos whatever it might be take up a lot of um spiritual space in our bodies you know in our minds i wonder do you think a lot of what we're seeing out there or at least what we're um Focusing our interest upon our interpretations are these to do with our philosophical outlooks you know so the woo plus the flesh and blood camp everybody else and we're all stuck into this because it's and this is why people get so angry as well because this is my belief and you've insulted my belief now by saying it's not a flesh and blood animal it's a yeah. a boggart or whatever you know yeah. what what do you think about that that theory that we're all just pummeling these phenomena with our philosophies um, to strain out, you know, I suppose a, a pre- determined, I'll get to the point eventually, a predetermined determined uh, picture of what we'd like to see.
2: You know, I'm I'm just going to jump in and then I'll let Allison take the floor. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I've often said that I think that the modern UFO experience and the historical fairy experience are describing the same thing but mm-hmm. i don't think that either interpretation is correct <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it'll be really easy to say oh well the aliens are just fairies or the fairies are mm-hmm. just aliens but i think both of those are just they're so culturally bound and i think they are sort of playing upon our our uh our sort of not only expectations but what we're most comfortable with at the time mm-hmm. so of course in this older fairy stuff you get all this stuff about You know, in parts of northern Scotland, the the fairy tined to hell, you know, where they're going around collecting souls Mm. and the conflation with demons and whatnot. Mm. And of course, in this modern, you know, dare I say, more atheistic era, of course, it's all sort of reducible to this materialist interpretation. Mm. Oh, well, we're people that like to go out and tag grizzly bears. So, of course, people from other planets would do the same thing with with human beings. It does sort of of express that sort of stripped away version of of these things. I, I heard... Um, I believe it was Martin Kottmeyer, who's just one of the great unsung heroes of analytical sort of uh, uh, psychosocial mythology. Mm. Um, I believe it was him who speculated recently that, you know, well, if the dead sort of evolved into fairies and the fairies sort of evolved into UFO occupants, once the next iteration of that? and he, I believe he was the one who suggested that it might be AI in general, that AI mm. might sort of end up filling that gap, which... As loath as I am to give AI any more, any more attention mm. today than it, than it has, <laughs> I can sort of see it filling that gap. You know, mm. sort of displacing mm. all these similar this similar suite of phenomena and observations onto onto AI. Okay, I'm out. No, awesome. that's <laughs> <awesome>. yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> okay, yeah.
0: okay I'm,
1: thank you. I, I'm really glad, Joshua, that you mentioned AI because um, I've been thinking of that because we're talking about other intelligences mm. other than human intelligences and uh, you know this is the time to talk about it because mm. you know i i have been very uh, aware and you know keeping myself um uh, up to date on all this ai news yeah. and it, it's just really fascinating to me and we are uh, a lot of people think we're facing an existential threat mm-hmm. uh and th- that's not you know, that's not me just uh trying to mm. fear monger. Really I'm not. I'm I'm just astonished that, you know, so many intelligent people are considering this. Uh, you know, not just that, you know, it could do harm to us, but it could also It could actually lead to our extinction. That's what Mm. people are saying. Yeah,
2: yeah, it has that very like first fifteen minutes of a nineteen fifties B sci fi film sort of vibe right now. Yeah, it's (laughs) It's very frightening. Setup. Mm.
1: I'm really, I'm really, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it, but it it is very frightening that it's having that lead up, like as if we were in a film. You know, and we're ignoring we're ignoring the warnings, and we're just uh and we've just been in that kind ahead. of space
0: that that weird unreal film like space for the last three years, anyway, haven't we so this arriving at this point it's like, okay, so what's next
1: yeah, so uh it it's interesting that that you know we're we're talking about this now, and the book came mm. out at the time that it did uh because uh, you know, I think again i gotta go back to the fact that this is just another than human intelligence and we have to we have to grapple with our limitations and dealing with it uh and um yeah religion you know definitely has uh does shape you know how we see these things Mm. because um i was just talking to uh a uh, person who runs ghost tours and also do those investigations and uh we were just comparing notes and and she just said allison you know i had this uh, experience in one of the locations with you know something that seemed like a trickster mm-hmm. and uh and she felt she was going towards the idea that it was demonic but then Mm -hmm. i shared with her that when i was uh, teaching at this native school uh just one year for whatever reason uh it's not like it was like this every year i taught there for 13 years only one year did something like this happen where um strange things were going on Mm -hmm. uh, um around the school and this this um led you know some of the elders um that you know were teachers at the school to you know sound the alarm that there was Mm. a trickster that Mm. was active in the building now this is super subjective but i you know it would be disingenuous uh for me to to say that uh that everything that happened was was completely normal i mean although these experiences are very subjective something
0: was definitely happening
1: something happened mm-hmm. uh I, I i broke my ankle under very oh. strange circumstances um which yeah seemed to be attributed uh but certainly when i came to school with that you know my uh mentor uh my uh, oneida teacher was like oh no i got you too um but I had a very <laughs> a very uh different relationship with it. Yes, it did break my ankle, but I felt like this this is just going to sound crazy, but I felt like in my interactions with it that it was kind of joking with me and okay. not a threat to me other okay. than the ankle. But um for other people um it was not so kind and okay. uh, there were deaths associated Oh, really? That seemed to be associated with it that year. Gosh! And um, so, and the school went to great lengths to um, to get to get the the trickster off the grounds.
0: Absolutely, um,
1: yeah. And um, so, but even knowing, um, you know, the death toll, uh, you know, the the things that this thing is capable of, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, just pigeonhole i can't just frame it as oh it's a demon to me it's just another intelligence and uh mm-hmm. who, who is to say what it was doing was ultimately for good or evil uh maybe it's to teach us something i I don't really know but Did, but uh, it was just
0: sorry sorry i just
1: like had this conversation this week um mm-hmm. and it her, her perspective about what seemed like a similar entity was very different than my perspective. Mm. Um, you know, she took, like, the mo- more Judeo-Christian view of it being mm-hmm. demonic, and I w- was like, it's just another intelligence. And, uh, yeah, it could do terrible things, but I don't know, that means it's a demon.
0: uh uh-huh. I mean, that's I mean, I suppose that's the very interesting thing, like you said, about uh, perspective. And she took the Judeo-Christian view that it was demonic, and you said but it's just an intelligence, but that's exactly what she's saying to you. It's demonic intelligence and it's funny, but you, you say, well, no, maybe it's just because obviously the perspective is that's a great evil, right? Um, but you say, but well, maybe it's just, uh, an entity. W- were people killed in accidents or the, just things happened like heart attacks and cancers and weird things like that?
1: Uh, suicides.
0: Oh gosh. That's um, terrible.
1: Okay. Um, and, um, you know, other other things
0: as oh, that's well.
1: That's very
0: sad. So, I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um. And he always has to pry. And he, he he. Sooner or later. Yeah. He will, he will. Um. He will. Uh. Step over that line. I apologize. Um, so and it was, maybe
1: it's not. Maybe it's not right to equate those things. But I mean, it has, well, there they were. They were again. Things were strange. Mm. Um, you know that did not happen every year things like this,
0: so. Well, it's very sad, and um, in, in my very sort of uh, ambiguous English way, I, I, I do uh, hope that families of those people are are, are moving on from that experience. Uh, w- with the book, there are, uh, just, just to wrap up, guys, there is obviously there's a plethora of different fairy films and stories that are, that are involved in this, that are focused. Would you say, Alison, that, that yours are more towards the the paranormal, sort of supernatural activity side. Uh, are there any stories in the book that are that are focused on uh, visual uh, sightings of these creatures?
1: Well, I know Jack Hunter has had uh, visual sightings, um, and I've certainly collected visual sightings. I I didn't uh, didn't really focus on that in my essay. I focused on other manifestations being being death and. Strange wounds and strange implantations wow. and stuff like that um, but Joshua are there are there any other um, ones in there that deal with um visuals?
2: yeah I, I think it would be safe to say that the lions share maybe even a an extreme majority of the contributors are people who have um, either had things happen to them or uh believe that there is an objective reality mm. uh to these to these topics as far as the sort of experiential angle that you're looking at specifically or you're asking about specifically I think most of that is sort of confined to um Jack's essay and uh Mark Anthony Wyatt's essay mm. on uh, on Twin Peaks because he talks about some experiences that people have had um again that's just sort of a function of 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 how the book ended up because you know mm. you have some academics who sort of keep their own experiences separate from their study of these things i kind of fall into that camp no i'd right, so say well. yeah absolutely um but you know it's interesting if you if you take a look at sort of the um lived experience of of seeing the folk. it does suggest that there is again it's a common theme in our conversation this interplay of mm. of expectations sort of drifting in because uh simon young who contributed the next to last essay in the book um <clears throat> he uh compiled this wonderful resource and you may or may not be aware of uh called the uh, the fairy census which is just a collection <laughs> of reports from a broad swath of time that sounds very and, interesting you know, even though it's not indicated in any of the historical literature you get these tiny little winged ladies who, mm. <laughs> who are, you know helping plants grow and doing all that sort of very pop culture fairy stuff but um I am have been told by some folks that a lot of the modern encounters seem to be drifting away from that and going Ah. toward the more the darker sort of not winged can be any size sort of sort of fairy folk um which to me does again suggest I mean that would sort of fit with the tenor of the times with sort of a rise in in paganism and astrology Mm. and people being sort of interested in these you know alternative uh ways of interpreting our reality I think that sort of is keeping in line with that so um yeah as far as experiential stuff it's probably confined to that although a lot of these folks are experiencers themselves mm.
0: yeah. and, and last question and i promise i'll let you go after that or drag you on too long do you think then we're seeing in regards to fairies a kind of resurgent folklore happening around the world and this is you know fairy farms and tours in ireland and iceland and places like this and this interesting great books like the one you've just written as well is it because of this this longing for um for magic and fantasy to be a part of our everyday lives again
2: i definitely get that sense i mean i don't know about you allison but i feel like i see much more fey and fey adjacent stuff than i used to um in in all sectors of different things i'm not sure if you know it's a resurgence or if it was more like just something that was lying dormant because Mm -hmm. you know sort of the, the central idea was that you know a lot of these books are from the 80s and the 70s and you know Mm. not books but a lot of these films are from the from the uh, 80s and the 70s so like it's kind of been with us but we just sort of dress it up in different things but i think there has been a sort of shift back to sort of embracing these older ways and you know i could probably digress into a lot of pseudo-academic explanations for the why that is um i have a personal suspicion that people are just so frustrated with the state of things that they're sort Mm. of seeking to to re-enchant their day-to-day lives but that that may or may not be true but yeah i I do think there has been a noticeable um uptick in the number of folks who hear the word fairy and don't snicker Mm. you know um because for the longest time i know growing up like that was if you wanted to say something was absurd you'd say you know well b- believing in Bigfoot is not crazy. At least they don't say that they believe in leprechauns exactly. or you know it's exactly. always in the same breath and it's like well actually. Yeah. So um <clears throat> so yeah I, that that's been my take um on sort of a cultural yeah. landscape. I don't know if, how Allison feels about that. But.
1: Well um I certainly want to re-enchant the world mm. uh, but you know I I'm not sure if if it's uh it's you know more a response to the, you know, the current way of looking at things isn't mm-hmm. sufficient. Doesn't answer all the questions. I mean, um, yeah, I I spoke at a MUFON conference and this guy came up to me and uh, he he was he was kind of afraid to to talk about this thing that happened uh, because you know UFOs is one thing, but uh, he and his wife had an experience with what sounds very much like a brownie mm-hmm. um, in in their in their home, and uh, and so he for some whatever reason, uh, I was talking about airline safety and UFOs, but for whatever reason, I look like a safe person to talk to about <laughs> that. Um, so so I got I that same
0: problem. Yeah. Yeah, the,
1: the, yeah these well i i think it's a definite opportunity so i you know i think these things are still happening to people and maybe they they find it hard to like how do i how do i deal with this yeah you know how how do i um how do i content to contextualize it mm-hmm. I, it doesn't seem to fit anywhere in the fashionable right. um the, the fashionable paranormal scene um and and i think um i, I I've never been to Reykjavik but I got to talk to the headmaster of um of the of elf school there and oh, wow. and he said yeah. well you know there's 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 such a uh, there, there's such a, a large portion of the population in Iceland that is atheist mm. but they still believe in it elves and, and, yeah. and why is that and he it's said
0: it's the same in, in Ireland as well it's the same now yeah. yeah,
1: he said mm-hmm. that is because for the simple reason, the, the real reason mm-hmm. that uh, they just know too many people that mm-hmm. these experiences have happened to. Oh, so, man. you know, they can say, well, I don't think God exists, but well, I don't know about fairies because all these people I know have had experiences. And these are smaller countries. So, um, you know, it's like everybody knows somebody that mm-hmm. has had, you know, that they love and respect that has had, um, these encounters. So I, I think, you know, maybe, maybe we're ready now that we're dealing with AI, mm. um, you know, to talk about these other intelligences and to, and to deal with, um, strange things that happen like strange illnesses, strange death to, to, you know, to, to look at these things, even though they're hard to look at mm-hmm. when you're mourning something that happened, um, you know we we got to understand th- these other intelligences better uh so we can we can know we can know what, what is really happening to us uh-huh. uh and and not not looking at it is is just going to mean that we're just going to go on and on uh blind when you know if we looked at it we could learn something
0: well, you know, I, it certainly seems as if that is happening, you know, in many ways, at least peripherally. And, um, you know, I think good luck to you both. I think it's a great sounding book. Um, I, it's on, def- it's on my list. It's sitting there has been in the list of a few of them. But now I'm definitely gonna I'm gonna click buy on it. And I suggest everybody else (laughs) does as well. uh, After this interview tonight, Joshua, Alison, thank you so very, very much. I just want all of the audience to know at home. I threw away all my questions. I had them written out. I didn't use one single question that I had prepared for you. It was Mm -hmm. just such a natural, wonderful, lovely chat. It's been been great to, to get to meet you both.